Today is Friday, July 7th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The Sound of Freedom scores a major box office win, defeating Indiana Jones. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and share it with a friend. You can email us as well. We'd love to hear from you. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. We appreciate you joining us to get through the news of the cray, as we call it. And joining me now to help us get through it, Trey Gons Phillips. What's up, Trey? What's up? What's up? We're at the end of the uh, Fourth of July week yes. already, so it's been a busy yes, freedom week. Freedom week. Everybody's everywhere because we're in the heart of summer too. Yep, everyone's traveling around. People are out. It's busy, but Freedom Week—a great week for uh, the country to celebrate our independence. And we're going to have some more on that on the main thing and how Israel influenced America's independence. So I'm looking forward to hearing from CBN's Gary Lane on that. But on a on a sour note here, Trey, there's kind of been like this rash of church attack stories that we've seen. And you have an update on one of those today. You know, I think as the world becomes increasingly hostile toward Christianity and Christian faith, this is something biblical, right? We know that Christians are going to face persecution and they're going to face difficulty in this world. So uh, we've seen it cropping up more, though, because I think the media has created this environment of hostility toward Christians uh, and certainly conservative Christians. So, yeah, there's been another supposed hate crime at a church in California, and we'll talk about that. All right. Look for the details on that here in a couple of moments. But first, we're going to get through the news in 90 seconds. The action movie Sound of Freedom surprised a lot of people by surpassing Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny at the box office. Sound of Freedom, as we've covered, talks about the true story of Tim Ballard, who founded Operation Underground Railroad. They fight sex trafficking and try to rescue children from around the globe out of this horrific industry that is surprisingly still thriving across the globe in many in many areas and it's a small scale film the budget of it was only 14.5 million dollars while indiana jones had a budget of 295 million so a big win there for sound of freedom over the past four years, more than 6,100 churches in the U.S. have left the United Methodist Church due to the denomination's efforts to become more accepting of LGBTQ lifestyles, despite clear biblical uh, pro- prohibitions on the practice. So this resulted in deeper divisions and more departures from the denomination, and the UMC is the second largest denomination in the U.S. with 6.5 million members, and they continue to experience this splintering as thousands of local churches have left their regional conferences. And a Colorado supermarket worker was fired for capturing video of three men stealing around $500 worth of laundry detergent back on Father's Day. Santino Barola, the the employee, he noticed the theft in progress and quickly pulled out his phone to record it. And he's a former military police officer. His instinct was to document the incident, but the supermarket chain... They are a subsidiary of Kroger, and according to Barola, they have a policy against employees pursuing thieves or interfering in theft incidents, so they fired him. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. And so, Trey, obviously the big story here is the sound of freedom, just having this incredible box office success and surpass. I don't think anybody would have predicted that it would surpass Indiana Jones. 
Yeah, no, definitely not. I mean, Harrison Ford is kind of a fixture in American culture and entertainment. So to have surpassed as kind of an indie movie with a, a small studio, granted Angel Studios is, of course, you know, making waves that The Chosen is that is, is from is from them. So obviously kind of a household name, but definitely a smaller studio. Uh, so, yeah, the fact that they were able to surpass a huge, big budget Lucasfilm production uh, is quite impressive. But, you know, if you haven't already, you can go over to our YouTube channel. We have a long interview with Tim Ballard, the guy behind all of this, the, the true hero behind this whole story. Uh, and we talked to him about actually some real life stories that inspired the movie. He, he, he and his group, Operation Underground Railroad, they've rescued Dan more than 7,000 children, he told us. Uh, mm. so that, that's just mind boggling to think yeah. that this is still going on and that one group has been able to rescue 7,000 and that's hardly making a dent in this crisis. So, uh, but incredible story. So if you haven't seen the movie or if you're, you have already seen the movie, the interview is, is worth watching just to kind of get even more backstory. Yeah. And I, is it, I think it's indicative, Trey. I mean, you see the, the direction that Disney's taking. They're getting a lot of flack for essentially going woke, for lack of a better term. And you see potentially the, the results of that at the box office. Things that probably should have a lot better showings aren't. And while maybe we can't say for certain if that's 100% of the reason, it certainly has to be a factor in it. And then you see a, a, a movie that, that has somebody doing something more positive not focused on the woke stuff at all and it does very well and so you'd think maybe hollywood would start to take note you would think but uh I, it doesn't seem like disney no. really cares which is no. is kind of mind-boggling i mean they just released elemental which is their latest animated movie geared toward children and it includes a non-binary character that they're openly celebrating and talking right. about and promoting. It's like, how do you not learn the lesson that you've had time after time after time? We wrote a story, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, uh, about Disney having lost tens of millions of dollars in box office office debuts over the last two years, including four Marvel movies, which are crowd-pleasing movies, right? Yeah. And they've lost tens of millions of dollars, largely according to, to the analysis we were covering, because they've gone so far in the the woke direction right and leaning into the sexuality stuff particularly as it pertains to children's entertainment but they don't seem willing to change or or learn their lesson it's 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 bizarre yeah well it feels very intentional right yeah, so absolutely. they essentially have decided that hey we think it's our mission to push this agenda and so we're going to do it no matter what the consequences are which has is a different mode than what companies like Disney have done in the past. Even if there were some leanings in, internally, it was never this outward mission to say, hey, we're going to push you know, the LGBT agenda and this is a big deal for us. Uh, you just haven't seen that in the past and we're seeing more companies do it now with Pride Month and things like that. Yeah. And so I guess it's just something that it's the new frontier. It's it's well, what we can expect now. These companies to just say, we believe in this. And so we're going to have, instead of saying, look, we just want all customers. They're saying, nope, we're going to do this. I think ironically with Disney is... It this was actually what they're doing now is the complete opposite of what Walt Disney, the founder yeah. actually intended. He looked at the culture and he said, there's nothing really that's promoting 
good stories, stories that promote you know healthy, good moral values. And I want my kids to have that content available to them. So he decided to launch a company and he started creating that content. It's unfortunate now to see the company he created, the brand he created, doing literally the exact opposite yeah. of what he wanted, what he envisioned for for the future. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And I'm, I'm sure this is not the last story that we're going to have to cover on the entertainment front as we see this sort of agenda play out in in the content that many of us consume. All right, we're going to move over to our focus story now. And as we mentioned at the top, there's kind of been this rash of churches that have seemed to be getting attacked. And now there's a church that's facing what may be a hate crime. So what happened here? Yeah, so law enforcement officials in Los Angeles, they're investigating what is a possible hate crime at a church in Silmar, California. It's in uh, it's in the county of Los Angeles. Uh, it's a small church from from the looks of it, you know, not a huge building, uh, not even a huge congregation, uh, but they were potentially, uh, it seems as if they were targeted with three wooden crosses being set on fire. The act of vandalism actually occurred uh, yesterday morning at around 5 a.m. is when the the local fire department uh, is estimating they arrived on the scene a little bit later that morning. uh, And they found that the the three churches had been, or the three crosses, excuse me, had been doused in uh, in lighter fluid. Uh, so that obviously kind of indicates there was some intention there. There was some premeditation and motivation because who carries around lighter fluid with them regularly? So yeah. wh- whoever did this intended to to do what they did, doused the three crosses in lighter fluid and then set them on fire. And then shortly thereafter, uh, somebody saw it, you know, somebody local and a, a, a passerby saw it, alerted the church and obviously called uh, called the first responders as well. They arrived on the scene and put them out. Hmm. That's interesting. So I wonder, uh, real quick, Trey, if you know, the crosses, obviously burning crosses has a history with, you know, race that that was going on in the 1960s and things like that. Is that what they're investigating for the hate crime from a race angle? Or is it they're saying, no, they're burning these crosses because it's like an anti-Christian message? So that's actually an an interesting question because I think legally they're investigating it as a hate crime because the church is predominantly a minority church. There's a lot of uh, black congregants. There's also a lot of Hispanic congregants. Uh, But if you ask the pastor uh, who happens to be a black man, uh, he actually has a little bit of a different take. Uh, He said that we have a diverse community at our church. He said we have Hispanic people, we have black people, we have white people, uh, we have come as you are people. He said we really don't care uh, what you look like ethnically. Uh, our doors are open to everybody, and he actually said that rather than the, rather than it be a, a hate crime uh, based on race, he said, "I think it's a hate crime from someone who hates God." Mm. Uh, so, definitely an interesting perspective from that pastor. Yeah, for sure. What is uh, has the law enforcement said anything about this? Yeah, so they said that when they arrived at the scene, the flames were pretty much put out, but they obviously they saw wood still smoldering, so they put that out. Uh, and they said that they are uh, launching an investigation into this to determine was it a hate crime? Was it premeditated? Was it planned? Was this something that just you know, some kids did, uh, or was it like you said, a hate crime intended to to be an attack on people because of the color of their skin or because of their beliefs? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're they're being pretty tight lipped at this point because it's 
obviously very early on. It just happened yesterday. Uh, mm. So they're uh, you know investigating what could have been the motivation, but they were pretty open up front to say, we are considering this a potential hate crime and we're moving forward with an investigation and they're looking to collect uh, any nearby video footage that might have caught some of, some of what happened, whether it's people coming and going or the actual crime itself. They have asked the church to give them any security footage they might have, but it's not clear yet if those cameras would have actually even been angled toward the three crosses or not that hasn't been released yet. Yeah. Is the church saying anything else now aside from those comments that you just mentioned from the pastor? Yeah. So the pastor said what he said, obviously, about this being a hate crime against those who believe in God. Uh, but he also said that you know, they're not backing down. He said, we're going to put those three crosses back up. We're going to move forward as a church and continue to make a difference as they can in their community. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's great. Good for them. And it's it's just disturbing to see this. And I look, the stories that we cover on this podcast on a weekly basis, I'm not surprised that there would be hatred towards the church and towards God's people. It's it's sort of an expected reaction from unbelievers. There is this visceral reaction that unbelievers have to the truth. And so I so I'm not surprised to see that. And I think, you know, scripture makes it clear that we're going to see that sort of reaction because, you know, like it says in Romans 1, you know, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. So I, so I'm not surprised by it, but it's still sad to see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is kind of a, a little bit off the off the path here, but I am impressed, I think, and encouraged by the pastor's comments, Pierre Howard, because obviously hate crimes based on ethnicity do happen. We don't we don't live under a rock. Right. We know that's a reality, and that's something that we unfortunately as humans have to deal with. But I appreciated that he made this more of a, a sin issue than a race issue, yes. right? He said, this is, this is an attack. If it is, if it does turn out to have been an intentional attack, this is an attack on people who hate God uh, rather than, uh, because even if it is an attack on somebody because of the color of their skin, the root of it is still sin or color of their skin. It's still, the root is sin, right? The root is, is the evil yeah. of this broken world. Um, so I'm glad that he highlighted that. And maybe in a, in a roundabout way, uh, this might be a, a conversation starter for people in that community to say, hey, uh, this is evil, but this is how we as Christians ought to respond to it. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And I think you meant you said an attack on people who hate God, but I think you meant an attack on attack by people who hate God. Right. Is that is that yes, what you're yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, but just yes. to get it clear. But, all right. But I'm glad, you know, that pastor had that response. Uh, that's a, That's a fantastic response in the midst of that. Um, really just awful crime. So appreciate you bringing that one. We're going to move on over to the main thing now. And the United States and Israel are the only cases in history of a country being founded in dedication to an idea. And the author of a new book appeared on Gary Lane's program recently to talk about America's Judeo-Christian heritage and some prominent Jewish statesmen who are committed to our shared godly values. And so Gary Lane has more on how ancient Israel influenced American independence for today's main thing. 25 years ago, 70% of Americans said patriotism was an important part of who we are as a country. Since then, the percentage has fallen sharply. Now only 38% say patriotism is important to them. Why the steep decline? Fewer Americans can tell you what Americans believe, the principles and ideas that unite us as a nation. Our next guest says as we celebrate the country's 247th birthday, 
We should reflect on our Judeo-Christian heritage and how the Bible and Israel inspired the founding of our nation. Rabbi Meir Soloveitchik is author of the new book, Providence and Power, Ten Portraits and Jewish Statesmanship. Rabbi, it's good to have you with us. So we know our founding fathers rejected the tyranny of the British monarchy, but how and why did they embrace the biblical values of Israel? So I think one of the best ways of describing who we are is to see ourselves through the insightful eyes of non-Americans. Obviously, one of the greatest works ever written about America was written by a Frenchman, and that's a Democracy in America by Alexis de Tocqueville. Mm. But another insightful work was composed by a dear departed friend of mine, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, former chief rabbi of the United Kingdom. And, and he noted the following. He said, when he came to visit America for the first time in the 1960s, he visited uh, the memorials, uh, Jefferson Memorial uh, and the Lincoln Memorial. And what struck him is that aside from statues, images of the figures and founders in American history, there were also words, the ideas uh, that were inscribed behind them, the ideas that they gave to America and to the world. And what he said was, is that London has, has nothing like this. England had uh, a class and tradition-based society. There was no need to explain what it believed because if you didn't know about it, you, you, you didn't belong. Uh, whereas America, he said, was inspired by the Bible to be a covenantal society. It was founded around a set of ideas and this is where the Bible comes in so profoundly, because as Rabbi Sachs put it, he said, Israel, ancient and modern, and America are the only cases in history of a country being founded in dedication to an idea. And that's why the founders looked first and foremost to the story of biblical Israel. And you, you highlight 10 leaders, statesmen who you feel best exemplified Jewish leadership from King David yes. and Queen Esther to David Ben-Gurion and Menachem Begin. So what admirable qualities did all of them share? So uh, at the heart of, of biblical statesmanship is a certain sense that even as a man or woman who is, who is reflecting greatness and leadership is truly achieving great things, what these leaders see is providence itself. Uh, I once asked a friend of mine, the great British historian, Andrew Roberts, uh, whether he could think of uh, a, a great European statesman uh, that was humble. And he didn't name any. Uh, Churchill believed in God, but as Andrew put it, in Churchill's theology, God's job was largely taking care of Winston Churchill. Whereas what's amazing about David is at the moment of his greatest brilliance in statecraft or in military achievements, he always sees the hand of God. Or as he famously says to Goliath, the God that saved me from the lion and from the bear. He, he, will, he will save me against you. Those of us familiar with the Torah, the Old Testament, and the history of the Jewish nation know that God brought judgment against the people when they took their eyes off of him. When they embraced other gods, they fell into sin. So what is the lesson for America today from the example of these 10 Jewish leaders? And so what's incredible about the greatest of American statesmen is that they saw providence in greatest moments of in the greatest moments of success, and then also in the most serious of setbacks. Thus, Washington, after the victory that was the revolution, 
wrote an incredible letter, which I would recommend to your viewers, to the Jews of Savannah. If you Google Washington Savannah Jews, he compared uh, the miracles of the Exodus to what he saw as the miracles of the revolution. Both, of course, involved the victory of a tiny people against uh, what was then one of the most important and powerful empires on earth. But then we have another incredible example of American statesmanship, which is Lincoln, who gives what I think is the greatest speech in American history, which is the second inaugural. Uh, And there, yes, Lincoln is about to win the war, but what Lincoln doesn't do in, in this inaugural is revel in his victory. He doesn't get up there and say, as we might have expected someone today to say, USA, USA, USA. Rather, he says, this is, this is the great losses that we have experienced throughout the country is God's judgment. What, what do you want people to learn from the book? Well, uh, there's a few uh, different lessons I, I would like us uh, to learn from the book. One is to see uh, what biblical statesmanship truly is. And you see that in great figures of faith like David and I believe of Menachem Begin. Uh, But you also see, and this is something I think your viewers will truly uh, understand, how uh, one of the other aspects of the story of the Jews is that even even in moments where uh, faith is not playing a central role, uh, the mysterious story of Uh, the Jewish people uh, becomes the greatest source of faith itself. All right. The book is Providence and Power, Ten Portraits in Jewish Statesmanship, Rabbi Mayor Soloveitchik. Thank you for sharing your time and insights. We appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Gary, appreciate that perspective on the podcast today. That's going to leave us with time for one last thing. So the scripture we're going to look at today is Proverbs twelve nineteen. It says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. I think, man, what a, what a poignant passage, right? Because we live in this relativistic world where everything is kind of topsy-turvy. Uh, but scripture says that truth is forever, right? It's unchanging, and we can, we can trust that to be certain in, in times of uncertainty. A hundred percent. And the temptation may be at times to go in the other direction because it might benefit you in that moment. But we want to lean on things that are going to stand the test of time, truth that will never fade away now and in eternity. So great reminder there. Appreciate that. And that's going to be all we have for the podcast today. Don't forget, if you want more news from a Christian perspective, get on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com. You can subscribe and do all the other things. Uh, that we always ask you to do. We would love to hear from you. Quick start podcast at cbn.org. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We shall return on Monday. Have a fantastic weekend.